0: and welcome to this edition of Bosca Presents, presented by Mammoth Sports Construction and CEI Engineering. My name is John Hartwell, and I am the designer behind Hartwell Studio Works, a sports branding shop serving the small college athletics market. Bosca Presents is a monthly series of live webinar conversations featuring athletics leaders discussing topics of importance for the small college athletic community. Our topic today is fundraising during a pandemic, featuring a a panel of four speakers from around the small college athletics market and we'll introduce you to them in just a moment. Audience participation here is encouraged. We'll have the opportunity for our guests to answer your questions after the presentation. Please use the chat box to direct your questions to me and I will ask them to our guests at the end of our time. A quick reminder that we are recording both audio and video, both of which will be available later on the web. This edition of Bosca Presents is presented by Mammoth Sports Construction and CEI Engineering. And before we begin, we'll hear from our sponsors, starting with Brian Morris, the Vice President for Professional and Collegiate Operations at Mammoth Sports Construction, Brian.
1: Brian, you're muted, by the way, it's
0: a heads up. All right, we, we've got him unmuted. Brian, you're good to go. Here we go. Take two. Take two. Yeah, well,
2: take, take two, got it. Well, just thanks for the opportunity to, to partner with Bosca. Um, such a great organization and one that we fully believe in and supporting uh, the small college athletics administrators. Uh, Mammoth Sports Construction um, is a family-owned construction firm um, really started around turf fields. Now we've really grown into a vertical construction uh, firm as well, uh, really came out of the response for our clients' needs and uh, wanting a company that can really do turnkey, do it all for them. So on the design build uh, space. Um, and so if you guys have any questions or if we can help you with your project in any way, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, my cell phone number is 816-605-5262 or brian at mammothsports.com. Um, love to be able to help walk alongside you. Uh, even if it's a project that we won't be involved with, we really wanna uh, make sure and make ourselves available to help walk you guys through that uh, and support you in whatever way that we can. So again, thanks for the opportunity to, to partner with Bosca.
0: Thanks so much, Brian. And we'll hear next from Jeff Brazee, Sports Facility Design Team Leader for CEI Engineering. Sports Facilities Team, Jeff.
3: You're up. Thank you very much. And I appreciate also the chance to sponsor Bosca and to, to work with y'all. Um, like Brian said, we cater to the sports facility industry, but uh, instead of doing the construction side of things, we do the design side of things. And design build, I guess Brian is build and we're design. Um, and we uh, do a lot for schools, a lot for universities. Um, from the stages of planning and budgeting uh, up through uh, doing the, the preliminary stuff, surveying and soils testing, through doing construction drawings, uh, getting things permitted, that's becoming more and more and more a thing uh, for these fields. And actually a little more tricky all the time is environmental concerns kind of go from coast to coast. Um, and making sure everything is designed right, gonna be there to last, gonna do uh, be, be quality and, 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 and smooth uh, as far as all those kind of Uh, hoops you have to jump through so cei engineering we're based in bentonville arkansas we actually have licensing nationwide because we're walmart's engineers have been doing that for about 40 years and as they took us nationwide we looked for more and more things we could do with that nationwide uh, licensing and uh, i was actually running a uh, my own business doing these sports fields for about 15 years designed nothing but turf track and tennis for a long time really wanted uh, a way to expand it and so they were a perfect uh, match for me to merge up with For about the last four going on five years now, we've really been building a good system that can uh, service anybody anywhere in the country. Um, So we'd love to help you no matter where you are. Uh, You can reach me at uh, my cell phone number 817-507-8305, or just go to our website, CEI Engineering Associates, and you'll pull it right up. Uh, And again, we look forward to being of service to you as we go forward from here. Appreciate the time.
0: Thank you, Brian and Jeff, both. and Mammoth Sports Construction and CEI Engineering for their support of Bosca Presents. To get us started today, please welcome the founder of the business of small college athletics, Jim Abbott. Jim.
4: Well, thank you, John. Uh, And thanks again to Mammoth and also CEI. We're we're grateful to have business partners that that value what we do at small colleges. I appreciate everybody taking some time to join us today. I'm reminded as I often am, that our need for external revenue is always gonna be a priority. Um, and so today we have an opportunity to hear, some, hear from some folks who are veterans uh, in the field. One thing I'm gonna encourage you to do is uh, think about changing the view uh, on your computer to um, speaker view so that you're not looking at a Big group of uh, individual faces, but you're actually kind of seeing the people that are presenting and sharing. Um, the business of small college athletics started nine years ago. Uh, it has been an annual workshop that has focused on external relations. Um, each of today's presenters is a veteran uh, of the workshop and, and has been and I'm just really pleased to see that not only are they excelling in the field, but they also have developed a really close network. So that's part of what we hope to do today is to exchange ideas, but also um, help develop more relationships for you that will help you in the business. So our panel today includes Megan Finn. Megan is the Director of Athletic Development at Wayne State College. Uh, We have Jeff Mason, who's the Assistant Athletic Director for fundraising at the University of Central Missouri. Uh, We have Grant Kelly. Grant is the Senior Associate AD uh, for Development at Johns Hopkins University. And our moderator uh, is one of my good buddies uh, for several years and he's Matt Donovan. Matt is the Senior Associate Athletic Director for Development at the University of Indianapolis. So Matt, take it away.
5: My apologies, sorry about that. Thank you everybody for being with us today. Um, thanks for the opportunity. I'm gonna really get us started and I'm gonna ask my colleague, Megan. Megan, you know, clearly our fundraising approaches have changed since this pandemic has uh, become upon us. What have you done that is that you've found to be successful for your programs? And then I'm gonna ask my colleagues, Jeff and Grant, to chime in and at the same point, I know what's critical for all of us is how do we project goals and things along those lines? So Megan, if you would kind of give us some of your wisdom that you've uh, taken part in.
6: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I think the, the biggest thing here at Wayne State we've tried to do um, over the summer and this fall is really talk to our supporters and our sponsors and our donors about the impact that they have directly on the student athletes. So some of our more tr- transactional gifts, our corporate sponsorships, our booster club or our cat club, um, that all assists in funding our student athlete scholarships, and as we all know, that bill you know has to be paid still. So knowing that their funds or their donations are going directly to our student athletes, I've found has been successful, and people really um, they resonate with that message. And then the other thing it's given me time to do is, you know, I've only been in this role two and a half years, and there, there wasn't this position before me at Wayne State. So it's given me time to kind of focus on a little bit of stewardship since I've got here and also cultivating some new relationships that um, really takes time. Appreciate it,
5: Jeffrey. Yeah, to build
7: off what Megan said, I think a lot of us are in the same boat in that a lot of our annual gift fundraising is transactional. um, And when you don't have your tailgate before football, you don't have a basketball post game or whatever other benefits you may have included, You you probably saw this drop off this year. Um, And one of our big emphasis at Central Missouri has been focusing on our young alumni and our recurring giving. So we had giving pages set up for each program through the University of Central Missouri Alumni Foundation, and those have become a new avenue for gifts to come in. And those have primarily been utilized by our coaches and our student athletes. Um, You know, the friends and family approach because our massive $250 donors who are typically coming for their football pregame and their basketball postgame, those dollars disappeared this year because of the transactional approach to it. So for us, the biggest thing has been going after recurring gifts and building that pipeline. And our hope is that when this clears, we can turn those recurring gifts into our annual givers for our booster program.
5: Thank you, Jeff Grant. Kind of give us what what your thoughts and what you've experienced at Hopkins.
1: Yeah, happy to. I just want to personally thank Jim for bringing together the Bosca family today as well. Like many of us, you know, this has become a fall tradition to head out to Oklahoma and network. So at least we have this right now. So I'm thankful for that. So thanks, Jim. Um, So for Hopkins, from a tactical approach, uh, we wait our gift officers every year um, for two main categories. One was uh, visits on the road, meeting with donors and obviously cash in. So we quickly changed the approach for visits to substantive actions. So basically, you know, we're not in a position to see people face-to-face. So whether that be virtual visits or phone calls or important emails, that's how we're um, basically, you know, looking at how our our colleagues are performing. Um, From a fundraising perspective, we reduced everyone's goal by 15% to start the year. We felt that was a fair number, um, just, you know, what was gonna happen with the pandemic. Outside of that, for how we manage this programmatically, um, we've kind of worked with each sport individually to figure out what their needs are for the year. A lot of our fundraising needs were around assisting coaches, and we wanted to make sure that we still keep them on staff, keep them paid. Um, so a lot of it hasn't been that difficult to, to convince people to continue to, their philanthropy, um, but the approach has changed. And finally, I just wanted to mention I think flexibility is extremely important right now. And when we began in the pandemic, Zoom was wonderful. Um, people love to get on video, now not so much. So it's funny, it's almost turning back the clock. Um, personally, I've been hitting the phones. Um, I've been staying away from email and I've been calling people between the hours of 7.30 and nine and then 7 p.m. and later. Um, that seems to be the right approach to get people engaged. Um, work hours are tough right now, people are distracted. So some people just wanna have a phone call early, get it over with. and. You know, it's kind of an old school approach, but it's been working so far. Thanks.
5: And I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's something we all have to understand. You know, we are all told, give us some projections, goals, and estimates. Um, One of the things we tried to do this year, and I'll segue into the next, is we just look at gifts and and obviously donors. The dollar amount is just too hard to figure out. Um, And so what we decided to do is basically say, look, we're going to focus on gifts and donors because that's what we need to to drive our attention to. And whatever we do, we're going to do it to the best of our ability. Because if we do it to the best of our ability, I think everything else takes care of itself. And I think that's been what's been helpful for us. And part of it is it's really created some positive thoughts because God knows those days are long without question. So I really appreciate my colleagues sharing what they've kind of looked at because we all know it's hard to navigate as to what we think we can put our finger on from a goals or objectives and things along that line. I wanna go back to you Grant, one of the things we've all done some some donor engagement events and I know Hopkins has been very creative with their donors but can you kind of share with everybody what you found has been very successful and when that's been completed, that event has been completed, what did you feel like you could have changed or maybe implemented you know, in hindsight?
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to apologize if I keep using this word, but flexibility. Um, you know, starting in the pandemic, we, we hosted a series of coaches' coffee talks, which were extremely successful. We brought together each program individually just to spend time with the coach. We invited alumni, parents, and friends to the program, had a very open discussion of what you know, the future would look like, how our student-athletes are doing. But again, as time went on, um, less people wanted to get on Zoom. So what we're doing now is, is more personal outreach. We're having coaches pick up the phone, um, set up individual meetings. We're getting away from a lot of our large scale events. We're still not in a position to host anything on campus. So we have to work within this virtual world. Um, getting to your question as far as follow-up, I think that's been critical. Um, after some of these events, you know, we, we've got to stay in touch with everyone and, and, and listen to them and obviously the goal is, is to, to raise philanthropic funds outside of these talks. So we've had a lot of success with, you know, stewarding people after the calls. And I would say the one thing to, to mention to this group is pay attention who's attending these sessions. If there's people that you haven't seen before or haven't been on these types of calls in the past, pick up the phone, follow up with them, find out why they decided to come on now. That's critical in, uh, you know, growing your base during this time.
5: Appreciate it, Grant. You know, Megan, you you folks have done, I think I saw like a virtual, which I would never do, running event. Um, but can you share some of the unique things that you guys have done at Wayne State that would be helpful for all of us to maybe adapt?
6: Yeah, that's one thing that, um, it was successful here with an event that uh, the hospital did and the community was a virtual 5K. So I decided to do one this fall, which the week of what would have been our homecoming. And really what I wanted to do was try to engage not only maybe some younger folks, but people outside of the community to keep Wayne State kind of top of mind. Um, And so what we did is we just found a sponsor who sponsored the shirts, paid for the shirts. So there was no cost to us. Um, If I could go back, I probably would have maybe used the website to make it a little bit more official. It was a lot of manual work. But it was fun. I had people send selfies and we posted them on social media. So sometimes that, you know, we could see in our database, that's the first event they've done in 10 or 15 or 20 years. So it was really cool to kind of meet some new alumni or um, we had a dad and daughter. So he went to Wayne state and now his daughter goes here and they virtually ran it together. So it was kind of fun to see some of those connections and having them send the pictures to me directly was was something I really enjoyed, to hear those stories, and we got
5: to post those on social media. That's great. Jeff, what about at Central Missouri? Anything unique that you could share with everybody?
7: I think the unique twist that we had this year was how we recruited folks to our events. Uh, At Central Missouri, we were still able to have our golf tournaments, um, and this year was the first time that we've ever sold out every single tournament. We host four each summer, Um, and this is the first year that we've ever had uh, more than one get to a full capacity, and the biggest piece of that was that we recruited uh, alumni from different generations to help us recruit their teammates. It was a call to Matt Donovan and saying, "I want you to call 10 of your teammates because they won't pick up the phone for any of us administrators that they may not know, but when their teammate from the from their famous class gives them a call, they were picking up those or they were picking up those phones." Um, And our alumni turnout for football, for instance, was over 60% of our crowd this year. So whereas it had typically been a sponsor event, a community event, an excuse to go play golf on Friday afternoon uh, for a lot of our local folks, this year we had an incredible alumni tournament. Um, And our path going forward will be that same structure. The folks who stepped up and made the phone calls for us, badgered their teammates with text messages, and were sharing it to social media frequently, those folks are now noted in our database saying, they were, they were a super engager. They were willing to go the extra mile for us. And so that will be the uh, path forward. And so definitely silver lining to come out of all of this.
5: When you did it out of that, Jeff, did you find that uh, the participation and basically those folks felt like they were engaged and thrilled to be engaged?
7: No question. Uh, we had one gentleman who is bit, since then been identified as a major gift prospect. Um, he is stepping up in more than one ways. He, he was there for us in the golf tournament, but in the time since, we've got a 50-year reunion coming up for one of our teams, and we don't have a whole lot of contact with that particular uh, era. He's essentially set aside some time to start working through the phone book for us, um, whereas our staffing was cut down through budget cuts, and we weren't able to do that ourselves. To the same extent through him and a couple other teammates that he recruited, it's giving tenfold what we should have gotten back from that initial uh, time investment.
5: I'm gonna piggyback off what you stated. And I know some of you that I know will die laughing at this. I'm on social media every day, just looking to see announcements. And I have a card that basically says, I've been reading about you. So we've seen a lot of changes. So I print that off and I put it in the card that says, I've been reading about you and send it to, I've been sending it to them. Uh, You know, we always are hoping for engagement or good cultivation. You find that they appreciate it more now than ever before. And ironically enough, we do what we call a national letter of intent for anybody who might be affiliated with the NCA. It is bogus, it is not real. But if someone announces on social media that they're expecting, we send it, and here's the best part, we send it via PDF. So there's no cost, but there goes an NLI. And the beauty of it is by the time that child thinks they wanna come to UND, I'm gonna be long gone. So there's no there's no skin in the game for me, but one thing I want to piggyback and I'm going to come back to you, Jeff, because this is really something we did. We did an online auction and I think this has been our uh, over 10 plus years. And one of the things we found this year was the amount of people bidding their dollar amount was significantly higher than ever before. And it was ideal, huge tracking on social media, right, right before, during, and even after was just simply an online auction that we did with about 150 items and it was huge success so the thing that we found in closing is that people are eager to do certain things right now and it's really dovetails off what you said jeff they're eager to do certain aspects or get involved so i want to shift a little bit jeff um you know with the with a lot of our events being postponed a big part of what we all have to deal with is sponsors and i know Sponsorship and marketing has always been a kind of a strong part of your portfolio, but can you kind of tell everybody some of the things you might have done to recruit, retain, or kind of cultivate your sponsors?
7: Absolutely. Uh, We went with the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid. Um, We scheduled out visits from our staff and our coaches to go see, see some of the local folks. And that may be I'm sending the football staff to go have lunch at a particular food vendor on Tuesday we're setting aside time with our basketball coaches to go visit the local utility company, uh, whatever it might be. Typically, when our coaches get in season, and I'm sure many of you would echo this, they fall off the radar in terms of community engagement outside of our booster programs, annual fund, things like that. And so in the time since, we've made sure that uh, our coaches and our staff are getting to these businesses who have continued to support us And then the other piece of that in terms of soliciting new sponsors is relying on the folks who have been with us for 10 or 15 years. Um, Our vice president of Advancement, Courtney Goddard, her famous saying within our institution is, who do you know that we need to know? And that's exactly how we've been ending our sponsorship meetings is as a local realtor, as a local uh, mortgage broker, whatever it might be, you're connected to a lot of this town. Who is it that I need to go see next that uh, is invested in this community and could help us weather the storm.
5: I appreciate that. Megan, in your area of Wayne State, what have you seen your colleagues or even yourself kind of do to maybe contain, retain, cultivate sponsors if you would?
6: Yeah, historically um, social media really hasn't been part of our traditional sponsorship package. Something since I've got here, I've been trying to be a little bit more creative with which turns out now this year we were able to do that so using social media some thank you thursdays some takeout tuesdays you know, trying to not necessarily something the sponsor asked for but just something we did on our own to show them you know that we support them the community supports them we thank them you know for their support of us um the other thing i tried to do this year is be a little bit more flexible when it came to payment you know we still want you to be your our sponsor we still want your sign up in the gym but let's talk maybe in January or February or March when we know there's going to be some games. Um, you know, like many of you, we're in a small community and we don't want to take a banner down just because they weren't willing to give us, you know, the $1,500 this year or couldn't. Um, so we wanted to be good partners as well. Um, and then as far as new sponsors, I have really tried to be sensitive and maybe, you know, I've been reaching out to some of those industries that may not have been Affected as much by COVID or the pandemic, you know, restaurants who were shut down, they're kind of going through a hard time, but grocery stores and banks, those are still businesses that have done well.
5: I appreciate that. Grant, you're in a a market just like us. Baltimore is a real saturated market, but what has Hopkins done to really maintain their sponsors or things that you may have seen that have been very unique?
1: Yeah, and Matt, this has been a, a very difficult area, not having live games. You, you know, we've you know, used a very old school approach, on-field banners, uh, scoreboards with sponsors logos on them. But I'll tell you what, the first five minutes of this call today, I think everyone probably learned a quick lesson from Jim. You know, when you're staring at a, a scoreboard sponsorship, it's not speaking back to you, but to have two sponsors on the call telling their story, talking about what they can do and what their vision is, that's extremely powerful. For 100 people on a call. So, if you know if you're not doing that already, any opportunity you can put your sponsors in front of your alums, in front of your staff, just do it. Um, the social media space as well. Um, if you're not doing this already, I would think about having a sponsorship day where you are thanking all of your sponsors on social media that day, putting up videos. Like, look, you know, we all search online for certain gifts, and all of a sudden you go on Instagram and. Th- there it is right in front of you trying to sell it to you. So I think in the social media world, everyone's used to it. And don't be shy about uh, promoting and encouraging people to, to support your local brand um, and using using other venues like this right now. I think that's the only way we can do it until we can get back on the on the field.
5: That's a good point. And I, I love to give credit to Jeff Mason when we started doing our sponsorship renewals. Uh, he gave me the best line, not trying to be insensitive, But this is normally when we have conversations and it's important for us to have a conversation. And you'd be amazed how many times people were appreciative of just that line in sponsorship renewals. Um, And the one thing we do every month is we reach out every month to our sponsors to say, what what social media promos do you have that we can put on our social media platforms? And at the same point in time, we also did what Megan said is we kind of delayed payment. We said, you know what, we're going to ask you, we're going to allow you to delay payment normally than what you have what you have done. And the response has been very appreciative. And it's amazing at a time like this, the partnership line has become more strong and they are very appreciative of it, which is great. I want to take this next time or next question to really talk about coaches. And, and obviously we don't have some games going, but Um, Megan, if you would talk about what you might be doing with your coaches to really help your area, um, and what are some of the things that have been successful?
6: Yeah, again, so prior to me, there wasn't a fundraiser dedicated to athletics. So for us over the last couple of years, we've just been trying to build that relationship and letting them know that I'm here to help them maybe with things they've done in the past, but here's some ideas that we have for the future, um. We have a couple of bigger projects on the athletic side that are coming up. And so I wanna really work with our coaches to leverage their relationships with athletes. And the other thing is kind of start cultivating that next generation of donors. So some of those that are, you know, mid twenties, early thirties, you know, they might be smaller gifts now, but it's a lot easier to ask them for the larger gifts if we've been working with them you know, for the last 5, 10, 15 years. So we're really starting to utilize our coaches more just within the last couple of years.
5: Good for you. Grant, I know, uh, Hopkins, you guys are very engaged with your coaches and what they do from a fundraising standpoint. So can you share some of the things that would be beneficial for everybody?
1: Yeah, I've got a great example um, of something that we've done this fall and we're continuing throughout the rest of the calendar year. Um, my colleague, Meredith Rosenbatt, came to me with an idea. Uh, We've had a lot of success with giving challenges in the past years, but, you know, we noticed right away, obviously our coaches not being on the field, they're a resource to us where we can put them to work for fundraising. So what we did is we launched uh, three separate campaigns, a fall, winter and sports giving challenge, and we secured matching funds so that each sport had the opportunity to secure $10,000 in matching funds based on participation. So the tactical approach we had for this is that, you know, get the whole family together to give, that we're not gonna go to just a couple individuals to support our needs, but we want everyone giving a little bit. So what we encourage is gifts of $10 or more And that the programs that reached 50% alumni participation would would achieve this $10,000 gift. And so our coaches put on a full out blitz um, for all of our fall sports and every single team surpassed 50% alumni participation, which was a record for the school. Um, I'll close by saying, we we probably broke every uh, rule by the book as far as normal fundraising. Uh, Our football coach put each class of alums on group text threads. So the class of 2014, he put all of those 25 members on a text thread and said, guys, we got to step up and support the program. We're gonna win $10,000. And it turned into memories. It turned into talking about the time on the field and everybody gave. So it was a great way for stewardship, engagement, fundraising, and we're going to continue that on for the other sports. And, you know, an idea everyone can use within their scope.
5: Before I go to you, Jeff, let me come back to you uh, for a second, Grant. Texting seems to be the popular thing for securing gifts. Staying with that method, or do you find that that's kind of one hit wonder for you at Hopkins?
1: (laughs) If you told me 10 years ago, we were going to be texting people for giving, I would have laughed. But um, no, honestly, email is so saturated right now. It's not a good way to get a hold of people. Um, Texting is working. I think as long as you have the right message, it's not too long and it's coming from a source that they trust. So if you have a coach, they're going to read the the text. If you have a relationship with them, they're going to read the text, AD, et cetera. So don't be bashful. Um, The worst thing that's going to happen is they're not going to respond. And guess what? They already do that with email. So try it out.
5: And your online giving is one of the things that Hopkins has always been good at. Your online giving has been tremendous. And I would assume it stayed strong through this.
1: Credit card all day. Good. Best way to do it.
5: Gotcha. Jeff, what can you, you know, I know you have a lot of relationships with those coaches and they've they're always been eager to help. What can you share with us from Central Missouri standpoint?
7: Yeah, before I answer that question, I'll circle back. Um, I stole Grant's texting approach from his presentation at Bosca a couple years back. Um, He got up at the front of the room with his colleague and showed us the numbers behind their success. And I raised my hand and said, listen, our alumni foundation doesn't want us texting because that's not something that we can just copy and paste an entire thread into an NXT contact report. Well, instead of just waiting for policy and procedure to catch up, we did start texting. Um, we just kind of dove into it and the contact report didn't have to be a copy and paste of the entire thing. It summed up and Grant was absolutely right. We were able to get a lot more instant reaction as opposed to the template emails that get buried in their spam or filtered into something else. So um, if you haven't looked at that, please consider it. Even if it's just your top X amount of donors, there's nothing wrong with contact. Copying and pasting the same text message to your top 25 folks that says uh, we had a radio interview with the football coach yesterday, thought you might be interested. Make sure they know you're thinking of them and a simple text here and there is a great way to do it. Um, Now engaging the coaches on the fundraising efforts, I mentioned early on that we've gone after their current gifts um, during the pandemic and our coaches involvement has been huge in that. So in the small college space, we're the breeding ground for coaches to get plucked up per se. Um, And every time that we lose a head coach or a coaching staff, we lose their cell phone and contacts with it. And that's something that we've struggled with significantly at Central Missouri is that when a position coach leaves for another institution, he's got, my offensive line coach leaves, he's got all the offensive linemen's cell phone numbers and their personal email addresses from the last 10 years. Those did not make it over to the alumni foundation. And so during all of this, when they haven't been as inundated with practice, weights, uh, film, whatever it might be, we've sat them down and gone through the roster one by one. Do you have Jim Abbott's number? Do you have Matt Donovan's number? Do you have Grant Kelly's? Um, And put a lot of effort and time into updating those records. Because again, your athletic director, if you are the AD, if you're an administrator, you probably don't have the direct contact for a lot those student athletes but in the last 10 years your head coaches do and that's been the biggest piece where we've asked them to do some weightlifting during this downtime
5: i appreciate that and i'm going to share too with what grant he gets all the kudos we did for our golf founding we did we texted renewals for our sponsors and teams and it was amazing the response we received um, to the point we were pretty much done with email and we just simply text all these people that played or sponsored and it was amazing to us the uh, the response that we were getting in comparison to what was before. So much kudos to you, Grant. And I'm gonna actually piggyback off of this and our colleagues at Mankato are gonna enjoy this. We're in the process right now going around to all of our coaches because they're not playing and saying, who are the alums of influence? Tell us this. And the other part of it is the other question we're asking them is, who are the best cheerleaders of your program? Because it's gonna to go to the next question I'm gonna say is, those people who are the biggest cheerleaders are the ones you really want, because at this time right now, we need a lot of good vibes, and that is on social media. So uh, many thanks to our friends in Mankato for that exercise is what we're going through. So I'm really going to start, which is a really important aspect. Jeff, I'm going to come back to you. Social media, it just tells all the stories that we need. It's the best vehicle to really kind of do some cultivation or creativity. So Can you give everybody some really cool, unique ideas that you've utilized via social media?
7: Yeah, so I'll start with one from Central Missouri and then share one from another Division II institution. At Central Missouri, our uh, SID has started doing where are they now features, and those have been a direct result of all the work that we've done with our head coaches updating contact information. So if you go to ucmathletics.com, you'll see some features um, that include a uh, recent graduate soccer and baseball player who've since gotten married, they met at Central Missouri. They're a phenomenal story, they already give back. Um, both will be Hall of Famers for the University of Central Missouri. Um, and so those more personal pieces that aren't just a box score, uh, when we dig into our sidearm numbers, we've seen those, those are off the charts compared to our this day in UCM athletics history. Um, those personal pieces have been a nice touch. Um, from another institution, Texas A&M Commerce, has been doing some video clips that highlight uh, annual fund member. So if you go to their Facebook page or their Twitter, it's a very simple rundown. You do not need a full-time videographer to do the pieces that they're doing. It's honestly some photos and text that's animated. But when you look at the numbers that those posts are doing compared to just their standard press releases, it's not even close because when, Susie Mason is shared online as a big supporter of the Lions. It's not just Susie that shares it. It's the folks who have been sitting around her in those season ticket uh, seats for 15 years and all the folks who just know that at the game, you're going to see Susie an hour before first pitch because she doesn't miss a game. So Texas A&M Commerce is another one that I I would encourage everybody to take a look at.
5: Great. Grant, Hopkins has always been very unique in social media. So give us some thoughts as to what you believe are things that we could all take from Hopkins.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be really simple here. Uh, leverage your student athletes, leverage the personal side of your student athletes. I think what we've learned during the pandemic is that um, we've opened up our views into other people's lives more so than just them as an athlete on the field, on the court. Um, you know, we've used some athletes to share their thoughts on diversity, equity, inclusion over the last six months um, we've used some athletes that have been impacted by COVID. Um, I think right now, being vulnerable and sharing how they're doing in this time is really special. And so, I would I would definitely empower everyone to think about that. What are the what are the unique stories you can share? And I think it's just going to open up people into the student athlete's life, and they're more likely going to want to give back to the program.
5: Appreciate that, Megan and Wayne. What have you found? What have you found? Excuse me, that has been successful.
6: Actually I'm gonna we do some alumni spotlights student athlete things, but one thing that I did with um, one of our sponsors this year since we we didn't have any fall events is we actually created together a commercial and then some static images. So they're they're headquartered in Omaha, which is about two hours south of Wayne, but they have a large call center here in Wayne. So that's the connection. They don't necessarily want customers, they want employees. So what we did is they created a commercial with us to talk about the benefits of working there. So tuition reimbursement, flexible schedules, things that our students would want to know. And so we actually used that to expand. They went from kind of one a medium sized sponsor to one of our larger sponsors this year, so that we could use social media, our alumni pages, our career services pages to enhance that partnership. So
5: that's one of the unique things we did, along with some alumni spotlight and student-athlete stories. That's great. Uh, I have to be honest, we stole this idea right from Oklahoma City U. Um, At UND, we are a big health science institution, and um, we have a number of student-athletes who are physical therapists, doctors, uh, nurses. And so what we did is we reached out to them when COVID really began, and obviously we're still into it, And our social media platform message was uh, really thanking them for the commitment. And I'll tell you what a great piece that we put forth and it has been very successful for us. Um, What's more important is the response that we received from the alum who is touched by the fact that we've reached out to them and obviously we're showcasing them. Um, The other thing, if if most of you, if you have this it's a great tool, it's ThankView. And even somebody who is not very talented when it comes to recording something is using Thank You. And we intend to use that with our coaches to say thank you to some of our donors, um, probably near the end of our fiscal year. We're going to actually use it to solicit people um, coming up here before the calendar you're in arrives. So, uh, you know, the social media aspect of what we did for COVID was a big help for us. And I'm thankful that we chose to do that. So much thanks to Jim Abbott in Oklahoma City because we stole it directly from them. Um, I think this next question is really, really important. And that is how has our job changed? (laughs) In the last six to eight months, our world has changed dramatically. And Grant, I'm gonna start with you. What has changed? And, And because of that, what do you feel like has become something that you've taken from it that you've, uh, how should I say, made some enhancements to what you do?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll cover two areas. And I laugh because Jeff just posted a link and I was literally doing the same thing (laughs) at the same time. Um, Take a moment to look at your online material. Um, What are the projects that you haven't worked on, you haven't had the time for? Because that's how we're interacting right now with our donors. Um, They're going online. And so I just shared a link, um, I'm gonna be candid, we stole this from Michigan. Um, they had a, an endowment page that we fell in love with and it's a very simple flip card approach talking about um, our needs for the year and then tracking alumni participation and fundraising progress. So take a look at that, it's very cool and be, feel free to steal it. Um, what I've also learned too, obviously having been with an institution for a long time, just the personal relationships I've had with people, its its they've grown deeper. Um, this time, I think everyone's, again, I'm going to use the word vulnerable. They've opened up more about their family life. Um, don't shy away from that. Meet people where they want to be met. Um, don't force it upon people that don't want to have those conversations. And just be very sensitive. Everyone has different needs right now. Um, everyone's sense of anxiety has been heightened through politics or whatever. Um, but we do need to continue to do our jobs and Connect. So I would just say that you know, the lesson I've learned is that to be thankful for what we have, we work in a great field, and we work with really amazing people. Appreciate that, Jeff.
5: You know what's been different for Central Missouri, and I know a state institution like yours—it uh, has to be difficult. But what have you what have you seen change over the last six to eight months?
7: Yeah, being a state institution is certainly part of this. Um, among the stoppages with games and everything, we're also encountering, like many others on this call, the state budget cuts. And so constantly thinking, you know, uh, if if fundraising is down X and sponsorship is down Y, how much do we need to make up for that Z number that is going to be missing from the general fund from the institution? And so a lot of, even though my title is uh, focused around the fundraising side, I think like everybody else, it's, it's all about external and revenue generation as a whole. We don't have the luxury of just saying, well, I only do philanthropic giving or I only do corporate sponsorships. At the end of the day, particularly right now, we've gotta get dollars in the door. Um, so the biggest change I think in the last eight months has been uh, that we've actually, pardon my phrasing, but we've had a chance to catch our breath. Um, typically when we get through the spring, we're all, we're toasted. I mean, it's June, July, whatever it might be. And we're all exhausted. And then we get ready for a convention or maybe take a vacation. Then all of a sudden, the student athletes are back on campus and we're going 60 miles an hour again. And so one of the things we talked about internally was that we've got to take advantage of at least a little bit of this downtime and say, you know, Grant was talking about looking at your online uh, pieces. What are the other ways that you collect money? And when's the last time you took a refresh at it? Uh, Our annual giving page, our Mule Train program, it was clunky. Um, and part of that is because our SID has to cater to 17 teams and a lot of coaches, student athletes, and all the folks who follow, well, we finally had a chance to sit down and go through it line by line. And how can we tidy this up? So I think that's the biggest thing to me is that none of us want to be um, this, this slow in terms of not having games or anything like that. But at the same time, we've got we've to take advantage of it to an, to an extent. Grant?
5: Grant? Uh, I'm sorry, I may have asked, but uh, Megan, give us what you feel like has changed, especially Wayne.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's it's different for me. I kind of felt like I was finally getting my feet wet and then the world shut down. Um, So for me, the biggest thing is finding other ways to connect with people, especially people that I maybe didn't have as close relationships with yet. Um, So it was an excuse to call people. Um, I don't like that word, but it really is an excuse to call people just to say, hey, how you doing? Let us know what you need. Um, the other kind of lesson I've sort of learned even more so in the last few months is one, never complaining about working weekends because I actually miss it. <laughs> and then also just making myself valuable in different ways, you know, if you need someone to set up or take down or pick things up or deliver things, just always being someone that they can count on about the athletic department and, and our foundation. Just other duties as assigned has been a big thing I've, tra- I've been trying to do over the last six months or so.
5: Good for you. Um, I think a lot of you are gonna die laughing when you hear this. Um, in this time period, I took time to learn plan giving. And uh, I'm not a lawyer, will not pretend to be a lawyer at any point in time, but I, started to understand playing giving more because the market has gone in great directions and those conversations that I would have never had with somebody before, not to tell them what to do, but to really have conversations about making this, making us a part of their plan gift commitments has been beneficial. Um, we tied up an estate or excuse me, we tied up a endowed commitment in two months. Okay, normally an endowed commitment may take a year or possibly five years. We were able to secure one in two months. And a lot of that is just having that understanding. Um, And so really what's changed is basically taking that time like all of us to really understand areas that we think we could get better. Um, The other aspect too that I really stressed with everybody here is what can we do better? Uh, we have always been one that prints out letters, we sign them, we send them to the donor. Well, offices are not open and the donor still wants the letter or the receipt letter. So we had to pivot and basically email your receipt with this really nice statement that says, in light of COVID, we know that you are needing your receipt. Offices are not open. We want to be safe. We want to make sure we respond promptly and we want to steward you. And so we hope that you understand our normal operation is different, but we're still taking care of you. And that has been a big bonus for us because people have stated to us, never intended to see this come that quick. And so we did really a self-assess. And I think that is really important for everybody. Self-assess, and Jeff stated, we went into our website, yeah, there are things that have not been touched for three or four years and we did that. But I wanna go back to the comment self-assess is great because if those of you that know Matt Donovan to really understand plan giving information is something that I would have never imagined. And we just secured somebody who obviously used their retirement fund to obviously make their gift, which is again, something that this last six or eight months has forced us to really think outside the box. And so I hope everybody may be able to do that as well, so.
7: Matt, if I could jump in on something you said real quick. Uh, you mentioned that the market has kind of influenced your approach to that. Uh, we, we've we seen the same at Central Missouri. We've had a number of gifts that we were able to close in a very shortened period because they gave through stock transfer. Um, For those of you who have an individual designated for plan giving or even those who don't, have your database person or have somebody in your foundation uh, pull a list on folks who have done stock transfer gifts to your programs because now is a beautiful time for them to make that tax deductible gift. The market's not going to get much higher um, in terms of what they can do before the end of the year. So if you can get your foundation to pull that list in a timely manner odds are it's not gonna be terribly lengthy. um, And that would be a great cultivation list for you for end of year gift.
5: I agree, take anybody who's 70 years of age or higher, give them to your plan giving officer and tell them to go talk, go talk. I mean, now is the best time, 70 and above, go go have at it, go talk to them, whether it be scholarship, endowment, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We've all talked about reaching out and touching people that's the best situation we could really advise everyone. Because right now is a perfect opportunity to really talk about those things with those individuals. Um, We've got some time, I think. Uh, John, I'm going to obviously pivot to you for any of the questions that may be in the chat or folks that may have questions. So if you would, please.
0: Thank you, Matt. And, uh, And for anybody who does have a question for any of our panelists, please do enter it into the chat box. You can send that question directly to me and I will uh, relay it on to our panelists here. Uh, so put, your, put that question in the chat box directly to me and I will, uh, I'll get that over. And indeed, we have a question here. So Matt, uh, what platform or service are you using to process recurring gifts or payments? Uh, We use Razor's
5: Edge. Uh, We use all of Razor's Edge's platforms, B, B, and C, and really our online giving is basically Razor's Edge. Um, A lot of the institutions out there are Razor's Edge. Uh, I always like to say, if I can really navigate Razor's Edge, you all should be proud. You you will be okay. Um, Because it is one of the best platforms to use, but that is really what we use. And I'm gonna let my colleagues also share what they may have, but Razor's Edge bb c for our events is great. Uh, Razor's Edge has Razor's NXT, which is a wonderful tool to use. Um, so I'm gonna go Grant, then Jeff, then Meg, Megan, please, if you would.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna be a huge help here because Hopkins has their own internal system, but um, we're gonna be moving to Salesforce or Blackbaud soon um, with a similar system. But right now, we do have an internal system we use. that's very similar.
7: Matt, we also use Blackbaud. um, And we have made a huge shift from the athletic side into using their events pages. Um, For those of you who are still using pen and paper registrations, mail back part of the brochure, I can't encourage you enough to try and push them towards online. It is a painstaking and timely process. But your ability to capture information absolutely skyrocket it's when you use that but we are also a BBMC.
5: Megan?
6: Yes Do we recently upgraded to the NXT and so now even recurring gifts the online you know when you post the link now it's a lot more mobile friendly and that's really what we needed was to be able to have people donate on their phones as they're scrolling through Twitter,
4: Facebook.
5: Yeah. And your your advanced services folks love it when you put your events on BB&C because all that information goes into their profiles. So if you have any questions, by all means, I know Grant is obviously Hopkins has their own, but feel free to reach out to us, any of us, John.
0: All right, we've got uh, some more questions lined up here. So we'll knock these out real quick. Matt, this is to you directly. Uh, did you mention a thank you platform? Is that a platform, is that a specific program?
5: Yes, thank view. And it's a platform that's out there. You can do recorded messages via email. Uh, it has a really sophisticated envelope and things like that. It's a wonderful platform, but it's Thank ThankView um, that I would recommend anybody to look at. And, and my colleagues, I think, here use it, too. A lot of our advancement, university advancement folks have a tendency. So Jeff, Megan, Grant, any of you folks want to chime in on that?
7: Athletics does not use that at Central Missouri, but uh, my colleagues on the foundation side specifically have before.
1: Grant, Megan? Yeah, uh, we we purchased Thank you last year. Phenomenal platform. Uh, the cost model is incentivized the more, more programs to join within your institution. So I would definitely try to take that approach centrally if you can have other divisions or units join you but it's, it's a wonderful program, easy to send out and looks great on cell phones when they get it. Anything you'd like to add, Megan?
6: Yeah, I haven't used that yet. I know what it is. It's It's a nice program. One thing I've done this past year is started implementing. I send a card for every anniversary gift. So, okay, you've been giving to us now for 16 years or seven years and people have seemed to really enjoy that.
0: Great. John? All right, we've got some more questions here. Jeff, this is for you specifically. Uh, How are you successfully leveraging those online giving pages? Are there specific campaigns centered around them, or are they intended as an additional method of giving?
7: Thanks, John. They're uh, an additional method of giving Um, we did have all of our coaches place those into signatures they are also on the team pages so if you go to ucmathletics.com and click women's volleyball for instance you'll see across the top schedule rosters make a gift Um, in the time that we've been on this call two more gifts have come in and this will be a piece of our giving week that happens the week after thanksgiving Um, but to date we have not done a specific campaign around these it's just been a vehicle to collect the gift
0: all right. Very good. Uh, next question here. What percentage of your time and or effort is focused on cash in hand now uh, Now versus, I'm sorry, let's say this again, cash in hand now gifts versus long-term gifts like endowments or planned giving? And I'll kind of throw that out to whoever would like to take that. one. Grant, you want to go first?
1: Yeah, happy to. Um, that was one of the first things that we looked at when we went into this COVID environment. Uh, traditionally at Hopkins, we've accepted uh, pledges up to five years, but we quickly transitioned uh, recently. And we're looking at max two to three years right now um, just the discussions we've had, people are more likely to make one-time gifts. Uh, and again, this is predated to the tax changes over the last couple of years. Most donors are incentivized to make lump sum gifts rather than to spread out a pledge over five years. So, Again, it's a conversation with each donor, but during this time, I would I would definitely try to maximize one-time gifts and just take it a year-to-year approach and and don't push people into long-term pledges. It's just it's there's too much uncertainty right now.
5: Jeff or Megan?
6: Yeah, as far as percentage of time, you know, that's hard to to put into I guess a definite number, but um, you know, maybe not so much this year, but next year, you know, that. Scholarship bill grows even bigger. Not only have they've already been given who they're going to recruit and how much you know money they can potentially spend, but now we have a group of athletes that might come back. Um, and so, really, cash in hand for us is really important right now, in making sure that you know we can fulfill those obligations. And also, we're trying to grow our scholarships at the same time.
5: Right, Jeff. Anything?
7: Yeah, my position, uh, my job description is 80% major gifts. It's supposed to be uh, focused on capital projects, endowments, things of that sort. Um, but that 80% is definitely lower. It's probably 60, 55% now. Uh, because again, to Megan's point, the need is now. While endowments are great, we have an 18 month incubation period for any payout. Um, and so that is great. We want to continue to grow those endowments, but at the same time, our budget cuts and those hits have happened now, and our coaches need those operational dollars in a timely manner where a uh, endowment gift probably won't be the immediate answer.
5: John, I'll close this by simply saying I would agree with Grant. We, you know, we do not look to try to do long-term pledges. Uh, the uncertainty is not something to look at, but I will tell you something that we look at a lot is our retention. And what is our donor base? How is our retention? Are we below the national average of 30%? And that is something we are watching consistently. And I would strongly advise everybody. So limit the pledges, watch your retention and pay attention like we, we've stated repeatedly, the plan giving side, because those are the areas I think it's important. And as you look in your seed, always look at your annual projections of where you are and where you wanna be. And look at where you are with your plan gifts. How many do you have? What's your long-term, you know, expectancies? I never get that word right, but look at those to be able to determine. Those are your, those are your, you know, your bars to set. But watch retention, please.
0: Very good. I think this next question. I think we've we've may have already answered this, but let me just go ahead and put this out there. Uh, the question is: annual fund has been difficult, but with the markets doing as well as they are. Are you all having success with major gifts?
5: I will let one of my, Megan, you want to start it? Ladies first.
6: Yeah, I mean, we've had some success. We're actually in a campaign right now, a scholarship campaign. Um, So we are seeing some of those three to five year pledges. um, But our push on the athletic side has definitely been annual scholarships and needing those funds now to be where we want to be in comparison to our conference in the region.
5: Grant, right. how about from Hopkins?
1: Yeah, I, I think I, we have had a moderate level of success. We've had quite a few capital projects that have been delayed during due to the pandemic that we're going to get started soon, so we're hopeful that that will get ramped back up. But overall, it hasn't changed too much. The market is doing well. People are still giving, um, and sports are very important to people, so keep asking.
7: Jeff? Yeah, I would echo Grant. Of 10 conversations, I would say eight would probably move forward right now. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that this has been such a long-term conversation. It's not something that, you know, the pandemic been started up for us in uh, mid-March. That's not when we started a major gift conversation. It, it began 18 months ago, if not more. Um, and so I think if this was the timeline they already had in mind, this hasn't probably changed for most of the folks that we're talking to
5: john i'll make everybody laugh this time period has never made me more excited because i'll tell you why people didn't go places people have cash so we are asking left and right and we are about as eager as we've ever been Uh, and the other aspect is the line we use all the time now more than ever and that has not had a door slam we have not had a door slam in our face yet So if y'all can take that line now more than ever, people have got the cash, go at them.
0: Very good. And with that, we have come to the top of the hour. My apologies to everyone who did put questions in the chat box. We are not able to get to those right now. Uh, Thank you so much to all of our guests for their time and their expertise here today. Uh, This has been a great, great conversation. Uh, If you'd like to connect with any of our guests directly uh, you can do so using the information here that you'll see on your screen, uh, and you can contact them directly to follow up with any uh, questions that you might have. Uh, to wrap things up officially, let me turn it over to Jim Abbott for some final remarks. Jim,
4: uh, well, thanks, John. And you know, for me, this we couldn't get together in person for for the business of small college athletics, but this is just a good reminder of what the event has been. Um, just kind of hanging out maybe having a beer or two Uh, in Jeff's case maybe three or four Um, and exchanging ideas and so uh, I'm grateful to Jeff and Grant and Megan and and Matt uh, for taking the time to be together the fact that we have several questions that we didn't get to makes me think that we'll look at another event like this in the spring Uh, we're going to continue to do these monthly Uh, if you have ideas or, or if you have sessions that you'd like to see us try to put together. Um, And by us, I I guess I mean me and and John in particular, but please share those. Uh, In the meantime, I would just echo what everyone said, which is um, uh, we got to keep going. Um, Things are a little uncertain, uh, but generous folks that you've never thought of asking are out there and are willing to support your programs. So um, I wish you good luck in what you're doing, and, and I uh, thank you for participating today, and I also want to thank one more time Mammoth uh, Sports Construction and CEI Engineering. So thanks so much, and we will see you all again next month. Thanks.